0: or at least most of the days, we're trying. I'm your host, AJ Andrews of com, back with you on another late night recording. So y'all be hearing us for your commutes on Tuesday while I'm preparing for work myself. So just appreciate what I do for y'all. Um, On today's episode, we're going to be talking about a couple of moves that were recently made in Major League Baseball. One that directly involves the Blue Jays, and one that kind of saves the Blue Jays a little bit of a headache. And we'll get into that one later, but we're going to focus on the move that the Blue Jays actually did make this week, and that was the acquisition of a bullpen arm. Honestly, it's not surprising with all the focus that had been on the rotation for the Blue Jays in the offseason, the bullpen had been rather neglected and it looked like they might be content just letting the, the arms battle it out. Whoever didn't qualify for the rotation would get a shot in the bullpen or something similar to that, but obviously the Blue Jays did not feel that way. They went out. And signed Rafael Dolis, and you can be forgiven for not having heard of that name before he popped up on Sportsnet and all the other sites reporting a Blue Jays signing. However, you might be a little more familiar with him if you follow international baseball. See, Rafael Dolis was a very uninspiring relief pitcher for those really bad Cubs teams, you know, before they actually got good um he spent three seasons in the majors. parts of three seasons from 2011 to 2013 with Chicago and let's just say the results were uninspiring to put it mildly and in, in his primary season in 2012 he had a 639 ERA over 34 appearances and 39 or 38 innings pitched it was not great Overall, 548 ERA. So, obviously, that's not worth keeping him around for. So, what Dolis did is went over to Japan and remade himself as a dominant closer. Um, He comes over having spent four seasons um, in Nippon professional baseball with the Henshin Tigers. And those numbers are a lot more impressive. Uh, 249 ERA in four seasons in Japan. A whip of one point zero six three over two hundred and six innings pitched. He he was rather durable. Um he, he got thrown out there a lot by the Tigers. 96 saves over those four seasons, a little bit of a drop-off from a save perspective. Last season he only had nineteen for Hanshin. But what I have to imagine the Blue Jays were focusing on is that whip. And the fact that in 206 innings in Japan, Rafael Delee gave up six home runs. That is remarkable. And in a very homer happy league, a guy who can actually keep the ball in the park is something to be very desired. He he morphed into a strikeout pitcher. There are 227 strikeouts in those 206 innings. He's not a very complicated pitcher. He's going to come at you with uh, primarily a combination of a fastball and a sinker. So, very similar pitches, but obviously they react differently. They're both coming in around 95, 96 miles an hour. So, Dolis has some heat. He will mix in a slider as well just to kind of, you know, change the plane of the batter's vision a little bit. But it was clear he's very effective when he was over in Japan and the Blue Jays saw enough to give him a guaranteed Major League deal. So $1 million for the season, club option for next year. And, you know, it's a very low-risk contract. If he works out, great. If not, DFAM, and he can go back. Who cares? But for a team that has taken a sudden interest in Pacific Rim talent, this represents another move to try and mine other... other pathways to get talent into this ball club and and not pay a premium for it as we saw earlier in the offseason with shun yamaguchi the blue jays are willing to take these gambles now to try and figure out if they have something that could be useful to them when the window starts opening up in a year or two as opposed to just again trotting out the buddy poshears of the world because we don't need to do that again Anyway, what DeLise does is put a certain arm in that back end, which, you know, as of right now, you you have to assume it's him, Ken Giles, Yamaguchi, and then, eh? I mean, Sam Gaviglio get to stay because he threw a lot of innings last year and wasn't completely terrible, does Thomas Pinnone get to stay there just by default? Because he's literally the only lefty they have. That's a bullpen option with Tim Meza out for the season. Um, is Anthony Bass going to have the chance to solidify his spot? Or will he be waived much like he was with Seattle? There there are a lot of question marks that spring training is going to have to provide some answers for. And while DeLise does give them like a little more certainty and like a guy they're going to have there, it still probably isn't enough uh, in the mind of Blue Jays fans as to, you know, give, giving a sense of relief from their bullpen. Although, granted, I, I am curious to see what signs will be made for Doli's during his time in Toronto. Also, fun fact, he wears 98. So, now the Blue Jays have 98 and 99 on the roster with Hyunjin Ryu. So, that's kind of cool. You can can outnumber any major league team. So, Dolis's signing actually raises an interesting question. Because the Blue Jays' 40-man is full. So, someone's going to have to be dfa would And I posited when I talked about the Dolis signing on Twitter that a couple of the likely candidates to be DFA'd would be uh, Wilmer Font, because the Blue Jays don't really need an opener anymore, and when Font's been pressed to go back into a relief role, he has had less success there, so the Blue Jays may be less inclined to keep him. Another name I threw out was uh, last year's bullpen darling Jordan Romano, just because post-injury list, Jordan Romano was very uninspiring in his action out of the bullpen. And while I think the Blue Jays do want to give Romano a shot in spring training, just to see if he's been able to figure things out following the injury and and following, you know, the recovery from that problem. I don't know if he's going to have the time with this Dolis signing. I think if they were more certain of what they had in Romano, they wouldn't have made this move to bring in a guy like Rafael Dolis. And, like, if you look at Romano's splits, like, it was, it was pretty obvious just just how much... He fell off after he came back. Because, again in June, like he was great, I mean that we were we were loving him though trade Ken Giles, we have a closer, and his name is Jordan Romano, yeah, um, once he came back in the fall it was it was bad yet he, he had a five oh six e r a in June, which is fine, gave up a couple home runs, but he had eleven strikeouts and five and a third innings. That's that's fine. August 338 ERA in two and two-thirds innings, but September and October, he got rocked. An 11.05 ERA in 10 fall appearances in just seven and a third innings, he gave up 14 hits. Unacceptable. He, and again, I would not be surprised if WJs took a look at that and said, we're we're pretty confident we can stash you in Buffalo. You can work on it there. And if we run into some injury issues, we'll give you a call. So that's why Floater Romano, another name out there, is Julian Merriweather, just because he hasn't pitched a game. And he's still on the 40-man. So what are the Blue Jays doing keeping this guy on there? Triple-digit heat is always going to be tantalizing, especially for a guy who... Shapiro and Atkins have a special interest in keeping around for for as long as possible. Because basically, if you DFA Julian Merriweather, you're admitting to the fan base that, yeah, we traded an MVP for nothing. And granted, I know Josh Donaldson was injured and he's in a contract year and you're not going to get anything for him. But that still doesn't preclude you from trading for a guy who has yet to pitch an inning. Above high A for this team. So I think they want to look at Meriwether more than they want to look at Romano. I think they're getting a clearer picture of what Romano offers. But Meriwether, again, when you can throw a hundred, people are willing to be more patient with you than they are some other guys. So. And I, I don't see an, i don't see a hitter being DFA'd to make room for Dolis. I, I just think that throws the balance off too much. They have 21 pitchers and 19 batters on the 40-man roster right now. So I think it's more likely that, again, a guy like Romano is able to skirt through waivers and the Blue Jays have a better chance of keeping him as opposed to putting someone else at risk who they might want to take a longer look at and make sure they're able to take that look. Anyway, speaking of guys who got looks, I went really long on that. I am I am impressed with myself. <laughs> I don't know if y'all enjoyed it, but whatever. We're going to be coming back with some talk about a player who the Blue Jays were linked with, but ultimately did not get. So stick around for that. You are locked on Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we are back. Notice no ad there? I'm sure y'all enjoyed that. But if you have a local company and you want to get involved with Locked On Podcasts and make me say your words, I am very cheap and I am very willing to say things on air, as y'all know. So... Get in touch with us and you can have me plugging your business. So, just a thought. Anyway, speaking of plugging, it was thought that the Blue Jays were going to try and plug a hole in the outfield this offseason, but it becomes increasingly clear by the day that they're not as inclined to do that. Especially not at the price we're seeing for some of these other guys, like Nick Castellanos Signing that four year, $64 million deal with Cincinnati. I mean, good luck in Cincinnati, but actually, I shouldn't say that. Cincinnati's starting to get interesting, and I hope Joey Votto gets to go back to the playoffs because he deserves it for all the work he's put in in that city, but who knows? Who knows in the Central? It, it's going to be wild. I'm, I'm actually interested in Central. Everyone has a theoretical shot to win it, except the Pirates, because the Pirates are terrible. And speaking of the terrible Pirates, they got even more terrible when they traded away Starling Marte to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, the reason I bring up Marte is that a lot of people online had been floating Marte as an option for the Blue Jays on a relatively cheap deal, like 12 million a year. And uh, he can play center field. So you could play Grichik and right and, and not have to worry about the defense there here. Here's why I was vehemently opposed to the idea of bringing Marte in. First of all, Marte is 31. He's playing a position where speed is a primary factor. He has not had the best run when it comes to staying on the field as of late. And if you're acquiring an older guy to play a position where, again, you want him to be out there and you want him to be at his physical peak, acquiring him now doesn't make a lot of sense. It it's he's a he's a fine baseball player, but I see the decline coming very quickly for a guy like Starling Marte. And the Blue Jays do not need to be the ones paying for that. Speaking of paying, reason number two, Arizona ended up giving their number seven and number nine prospects in the organization to the Pirates for the seal, including Brennan Malone, who's actually teammates with Kendall Williams in uh, at the IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida, Kendall Williams being the Blue Jays' second round pick last year, Malone actually went ahead of Williams. So, obviously a guy who um, who the Pirates like now that, again, their front office is basically guys from the Blue Jays. So, Ben Sherrington and the lot, they're able to look at, look at him as a guy they missed out on and, and just basically acquire him now. So, the problem with that is if you look at the Blue Jays' prospects, and if that was the asking price for Marte, 7-9 and nine to go over. Um, right now it's a pair of infielders, but let's actually match up a little bit. They probably would have asked for Kendall Williams if they're asking for Brennan Malone, because the Pirates are going to be bad for a while. There is nothing there. So they want long-term prospects. So they probably would have asked for Kendall Williams. And they probably would have asked for the number seven prospect in the Blue Jays organization, which, according to MajorLeagueBaseball.com, is shortstop Orelvis Martinez. And the Blue Jays are very high on Orelvis. He was their top international signing. Um, I believe it was last season. But either way, that's a lot of potential That the Blue Jays would be giving up for a guy who, again, is on the downslip of his career. I mean, if they wanted a guy who was, you know, staring at 30 in the rearview mirror and could play passable defense, but, you know, offer declining skills with his feet and with his bat, they could just re-sign Kevin Pillar. He's still out there. So... It made absolutely no sense to fork over prospects for a guy who's not going to last and who's not going to benefit the team in the coming seasons. So, I'm happy you got him, Arizona. I'm happy you have two Martes now. And best of luck at ending that Dodgers run. And it's looking a little more likely, given the moves that... Arizona and, and San Diego's trying to make San Diego's trying to get Mookie Betts. I mean, go for it. I would love to see Mookie Betts in San Diego. That lineup would be fun to watch and obviously it gets them out of the ALE. So by all means, San Diego, shoot the moon and go for it. I I I wish it. I want to see it. Anyway, that's going to bring this episode of Locked on Blue Jays to a close. Just a reminder that if you want to get involved on in this discussion, I'll be starting Van Fridays again pretty soon. I mean, as we're ramping up the schedule, it's going to be happening on Fridays. So, you know, feel free to interact as a few of you have done. Um, shout out to Mark at Daytime Baller, who I had the conversation with about, um, I believe it was about Marte that we, we talked about. Anyway. Um, if you want to get involved, follow me on Twitter at A underscore J underscore Andrews. The underscores are there in there because Twitter is dumb. Subscribe to the podcast using Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. You can find Locked On Blue so click that subscribe button. Review it if you want. I mean, it's, it's your free time. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna force you to do anything. I I just do this for me. So, well, and the fine people at the Lockdown Podcast Network. And if you want to follow the podcast itself, you can do so at Locked on, J's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, it's all on there. It's primarily Twitter and some Facebook. I still don't use Instagram <laughs> in any sense because I'm not a 15-year-old. So, anyway... I'm rambling because it's late. So for everyone at the Locked On Podcast Network and everyone at jaysrunthecouch.com, I'm AJ Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. And y'all take care.